Hello, and welcome to You Should See the Other Guy, the podcast where we watch a romantic movie featuring a love triangle of a sort and explain to you why the person who picked a love interest chose poorly. I am Jennifer. I am Samantha. I am Sadie, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And today we're talking about a simple favor. The 2018 masterpiece starring Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. And? Henry Golding. Yes. (laughs) I feel like this one... (laughs) Maybe I gave away our our, our preferred pairing too soon. Well, I feel like I wanted to say that, like, it's sort of surprising to me that we haven't done this one. And when I messaged you both, I was sort of convinced we had and I had just memory hold it like I have my entire life um, up to this point. <laughs> and because it's such an obvious one for the podcast, it's Anna Kendrick sleeping with both Blake Lively, well, not sleeping with Blake Lively, but having a complicated friend ship that's romantically tinged with Blake Lively and then also having a thing going on with Henry Golding (laughs) while dressing in Blake Lively's clothing and moving into her house. It's it's (laughs) killing Eve but for women with 401ks. (laughs) (laughs) All about the life insurance baby. (sighs) Okay, well, let's do let's do the summary so that we can get into the, the meat of it. Because I also, when you asked us if we'd done it, I was I took a moment to be like, no, yeah, we did it. We had to. We had to. It's a seminal text, and sh- shockingly, we've glossed right over it. Okay, so the summary. I'm glad someone else is doing it because I I cannot follow all the epic highs and lows of this scheme. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know by the end they're like Blake Lively bad, but well, I don't okay, know how so we Anna get there. Kendrick is bad. <laughs> so Anna Kendrick is Stephanie Smothers. She is a mommy vlogger who lives in suburban Connecticut, close to New York City, like travelable by train, I guess. And another mother at the school is Blake Lively, whose name is Emily Emily Nelson. We will probably be calling these people Anna and Blake, uh, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively throughout because yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Anna Kendrick also, kind of... This movie, this movie is like soap opera levels of twists and turns. So Jen, I'm starting my two minute, my two minute timer. This, All right. That's how long you have. I'm starting it okay. right now. We're going fast. Because if I we, if we, if we give in to temptation, <laughs> we will be here for hours. We will hold the temptation for after the brief summary. And All go. Right. And go. So Stephanie Smothers is fascinated with Blake Lively's Emily, who is the, a person who wears like three-piece suits and um, Christian Louboutin heels to breeze in with an umbrella and pick up her son from school. They form an unlikely friendship uh, where uh, Blake Lively doesn't seem like as much of a friend maybe as as Anna Kendrick hopes, but they spend every afternoon together. They drink lots of martinis. Blake Lively acts shady and doesn't want photos taken of herself. And uh, sometimes Anna Kendrick takes care of her son, Nikki, while she is away on business. On one of these trips where both Blake Lively and her husband, Sean, who is Henry Golding, are away. Blake Lively disappears and doesn't come back. So on her vlog, Stephanie starts bringing this up and it becomes sort of a true crime thing where her audience is helping to look for Blake Lively. Meanwhile, Anna Kendrick becomes close to Henry Golding and they start sleeping together and basically living together as a couple. Then Anna Kendrick gets an envelope with like, uh, like she, she starts to suspect that Emily is alive. Nikki, the little boy, has said that he's seen her and Anna Kendrick gets an envelope envelope with the thing inside and a picture of her circled that says brother fucker and it turns out that Stephanie confessed <laughs> to Emily <laughs> that she had sexual relations with her half brother at some point and Emily is clearly alive so Stephanie Smothers goes on this like crazed quest to find out what is actually going on with Emily and like Sadie said it's mega soap opera stuff involving what you think is twins but actually they were triplets but two of them ate the other one in the womb and Jean smart is in there it's all campy and amazing and yeah 
at the end, it turns out Blake Lively was alive and she had baked her own death using her twin and she's going to murder Anna Kendrick and Henry Golding, but they get the confession streamed, like live streamed on <laughs> Anna Kendrick's mommy vlog. And Two minutes then- are up, but I will allow you to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> because then absolutely insanely, Blake Lively gets hit by a car in like the stunt work of <laughs> the century, <laughs> but she survives and then is taken to prison. And we find out that Anna Kendrick's mommy vlog blew up and became a success. And Henry Golding wrote a new novel called The Oopsie Jar based on these events, which was a success. And Blake Lively is in prison. And there is definitely going to be a sequel. All right. I was pretty close to two minutes. I feel good about it. Yeah. You did better than either of us could have. I'm very impressed. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That was so... You should start a mommy vlog, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) A mommy vlog by a non-parent. You should should be talking about your tortoise, but never revealing that it's a tortoise that you're talking about. You should be like, you know when your little one likes to cool off on the tile floor with a large bib lettuce? That actually, you know, I think that kind of really could fit in because now aren't mommy vloggers, they're de- that that person that I thought was a teenager, but apparently is actually 26 years old and recently had like falling out with Drake after he appeared on Holy her podcast, shit. is apparently a mother of two. And I think jokingly calls her children Richard and Concrete as their online aliases. I think I could pull it off. <laughs> this oh, movie- how the world of mommy vlogging has changed since 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, let's just start with Samantha, why why did why were you pushing for this to be uh, on the pod? It was on well, okay. I have a projector, a new projector that's even brighter wow. than the old projector. <laughs> And so it's on more often because it can be on during more times of day. And because I've liked having movies on while I've been editing my latest book. So I, I was on Prime Video for Red, White, and Royal Blue. And I was like, let me see what else I can watch in ye old content playground of Jeff Bezos. And, <laughs> and there it was staring me in the face. And when I saw the little thumbnail for a simple favor, I was like, do I want to see Blake lively slowly remove sleeves while making a martini? Uh, yes, I do. Will it make me forget about her plantation wedding? Temporarily. Uh, <laughs> For about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's where I that's where I ended up. And then, you know, I could have searched our episode history, but I decided to rely on on your memories and and ask you both to help me piece it together hangover style what we've done the last few years. <laughs> I I feel like the thing that I love about because uh, w- spoiler alert I do love this movie but I feel like one of the main reasons why I love it is that it's not afraid to be absolutely like off the wall like Emily slash Blake Lively is a super villain a la Gone Girl Killing Eve energy but also she's just kind of a vibe she's a fun mom <laughs> She, you know what I mean? Like she, she's hot. She's stylish. She's good at basketball. There's literally nothing she can't do. I love how it didn't shy away from the sexual tension between her and Anna Kendrick, but there was so much more to it. Like it, I don't know. It was so good. I, I feel like the queerness of this movie is really outstanding for 2018. Like I think it was really multi-layered. Um, and I can't, I, I know that it's originally, it was originally a book. I have not read the book and I do not know when the book came out. Um, but hats off to whoever originally wrote this because it is very fun, queer, um, in, in the right way. Um, and it's actually like the only movie where I actually like Anna, Con- Anna Kendrick in. Um, I'll say it. Anna, 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 Yeah. 
I, I agree with you on the queerness. I think that's part of what made an impression on me is that like, sorry, Jen, I just want to get this thought out is like, oh, please, yes, the scene with them on the couch that we later see in flashback, Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively, Stephanie and Blake Lively. And uh, <laughs> like, where they're opening up to each other and it's one of many scenes in movies depicting intense relationships between you know women we've not previously revealed to be queer in some way and that like i've you mentally are watching it and you're like like kiss like you know like <laughs> this that's where this should go and 99% of the time it doesn't actually happen and so when i was watching this i was like well they should like kiss right now like there's something charged happening it's not quite like they want to like you know jump each other's bones right now but like this needs to crescendo over in some way and when it happened, I was like, holy shit, they actually did it. <laughs> like for, for the first <laughs> time I can remember. Yeah, so, this yeah. movie, incredible. Well, obviously, I think that I can safely speak for all of us here at YSSTOG that we love movies about bisexual women, by and large. And given so the true. society that we live in currently, uh, they, you you can get uh, like some really messed up narratives about bisexual women. Because it's very possible to live in this culture as a bisexual bisexual women, as a bisexual women, the multitudes inside of you as an individual, and uh, to not realize or accept that you are a queer person and to do outlandishly bizarre behaviors that somehow make sense, you know. Anyway, Anna Kendrick's character in this movie, Stephanie Smothers, is, uh, she, she's really, she's kind of like a seven pound terrier that's slightly trembling all the time, you know, just vibrating with anxious energy. And she clearly is, is queer. She is <laughs> attracted to Blake Lively more than anyone in the movie. And her other sexual relationships with her, who ostensibly her her recently deceased best friend's husband and her half brother, like she has sublimated this like sense of shame about her sexuality to such an extent that the only time this woman can experience erotic pleasure with men is if she is violating such a taboo that it would absolutely ruin her life if it was exposed. And I just find that fascinating. And this is campy and amazing as like, oh my God, when they're having the, uh, <laughs> Samantha, I've, I've got to admit to you, there are occasions where the Wikipedia summary just does not cut it, is not a good enough experience, and you have to watch the movie. And this is one of those times, because if you just read the wiki summary of this movie, you would not realize that when Blake Lively and Stephanie's mothers reconnect after Stephanie has discovered that Blake Lively as one of the twins is still alive, it just says that they have a conversation. It does not say that they have this conversation in a graveyard with Blake Lively's fake gravestone for her twin's body and Anna Kendrick has made chilled martinis atop the gravestone and they are both dressed in the most ridiculous outfits of all time where Blake Lively walks in like with a necklace that's made to look like an undone bow tie over her cleavage the, with her tuxedo that's cut down to her sternum and Anna Kendrick's in this little like 50s wife cosplay and it's it's just amazing. You should watch this movie if you haven't already. And speaking of the Wikipedia, like I feel like it, it both makes the movie sound stupid. Like, and also it just, it, it, again, you miss out on all of those like really, really key over the top kind of campy, but also cunty. I'm just going to say it um, <laughs> moments that it just, it all works. And like, I think something else that I really appreciate about a simple favor is that it, but I feel like it's not talked about all that much, but it's also such a like core sleeper hit within the queer community. Like there are multiple whole podcasts and like miniseries podcasts just about a simple favor. There's one of which that is very, very good, does a really intense deep dive and it's called A Simple Podcast. Um, highly recommend it. But I, I, I feel like it's really like near and dear to a lot of queer people's hearts in a way of just like, I don't know, it just it has something special to it. And I know also that the director when they announced that they were going to do a, 
simple favor to bless up after like six years. Um, he did mention that it was his favorite film that he'd ever made, um, which I think is really cool. His name is Kevin Fake? I think it's Paul Feig, right? Feig. Oh, is it Paul Feig? You... Okay, okay. The Kevin is the the overseer of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ah, yeah, and pa- oh, Paul Feig. Those are two different people. Yeah, Paul I Feig directed uh, several episodes of The Office. If either yes, of you yes. remember the dinner party episode of The Office. Oh my God, that's my favorite episode. <laughs> yeah, where Jim goes to Michael Scott's house while he's dating his former boss. And it's terrible and awkward. Um, yeah, Paul Feig did that one. He also did um, Kate McKinnon Ghostbusters, which in my opinion was kind of uneven and yeah. of its time. Um, but I think I think his sensibilities are kind of perfectly suited to something like this. And Jen, you know what else you don't get from Wikipedia summaries? Uh, like video, sound... <laughs> <laughs> human facial expressions. <laughs> Samantha, that's all extraneous. When you read the little words, your brain does all that work for you anyway. So, you know, it's just, so true. It's just a little extra. I need to make you like <laughs> cut downs of popular movies that are just like, I'll just screen record me scrolling through the Wikipedia summary. And I can be like, <laughs> uh, you know, ghost five minute version. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that actually. A lot of movies could benefit from heavier cutting. That sounded a little violent. Um, <laughs> Jen is like, God. what can a movie provide me that a three minute long reel could not also provide me if you just tweaked that down? <laughs> so, you know, I was I was thinking about that recently because I do I enjoy TV series better than I do movies on in, in general. And I think it's because a movie is supposed to be a short story. Like a movie really just has enough time to ask a single question like hey what if a really fucked up thing happened and then it shows you a scenario about if the really fucked up thing happened whereas like a tv series is more like a novel link that has time to get into the extra side characters and stuff a little more and so i can enjoy a movie who sticks to its premise you know and actually does that like that 90 minute like hits it love it excellent work but when a movie like tries to think that it's a tv show like we don't get along so well all right back to a simple favor i started reading the book this week, but I didn't have time to get very into it. And it was uh, interesting also to think about these mommy vlogging conventions because from I'm still only like in the first chapter of the book, which I'm pulling up. Right so now. you it's didn't read it. <laughs> I did not read it's it. Yet, what but I will read it. He's <laughs> like, let's cut right to it. <laughs> You're like, I, I'm about five words in. And from what I can tell, <laughs> I was in long enough to see that I appreciate that uh, she name drops um, Patricia Highsmith in the first chapter. This is a mommy blogger instead of they updated it to a vlogger for the movie because yeah. of, you know, audiovisual medium. And uh, because watching this, I did, I thought about Gone Girl and I kept thinking about that <laughs> that movie we watched last year that was Ben Affleck and Anna DeArmas' pandemic. Oh, yeah, Deep Water. Yeah. Deep Water. <laughs> like Deep Water wishes it was this movie it needed this level of camp and humor god yeah. i can't believe you made me remember about deep water that <laughs> that has that fled my brain as soon as we finished recording it <laughs> the the bike on uh subaru outback chase sequence <laughs> Inspired. Uh, so, snails. was this written during peak mommy blogger? Let me see. Go to the little information page here. It has been fascinating to watch the the rot that we all knew was inside the mommy yes. blogging industry, like um, Meet Sunlight the last couple of years. I feel like there have been so many cases of like abuse and I don't know, people getting exposed for <laughs> terrible bad things and I'm like, Or just this like makes- wild things. Yeah. Like literally, like- just like off the wall shit where you're just like, <laughs> 
<laughs> like, um, what was that? There was this one mommy blogger, vlog, whatever, influencer, um, who was like, yeah, we wanted to adopt, but they told us that we would have to wait a year before like showing them on camera and in our content. And that just didn't feel like authentic to our lived experience. <laughs> Oh my god. Like, yeah, they're like those children will have to just not have parents for like a little while longer yeah. until they find someone who's not. Uh, which honestly it was one of those families like who adopted a kid and then rehomed yes, them. Yes. Like they were an animal that didn't work oh, out. God. And, like Yeah. I I feel like we as a society, we as 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 people who create media do not do enough with the the horrors that we could pull from the mommy blogger vlogger influencer community like I feel like simple favor was a good start but I need so much more I need horror movies I need I need fucked up shit <laughs> to cut. like I need I need so many books and movies about how weird these people are I mean it's coming do you know how many uh, sp- spoken as an ex-mormon so many of the mommy vloggers and bloggers and instagrammers are mormons and yes. I and they have seven kids and at least half of those kids are going to leave the church <laughs> like guaranteed just realistically yeah. it's you know we're in the 21st century y'all and uh, I guarantee they won't look back too kindly on like being used as content to promote like a 1950s ass like lifestyle and view of yeah I so so if the art isn't already in the works, like I'm sure we'll get a wave of it in like in the 2030s um, when all of these kids are old enough to go to NYU Tish, you know? Yeah. And God, well, it was already bad enough with the mommy blogging. Like I, I pulled up the book date to check and the book came out in 2017. And I am supposing like kind of picked up on that 2012 to mid 20 teens kind of mommy like text based mommy blogging, you know, but I like deuce uh, Heather Armstrong, who who passed away this year, like that was a s- sad scenario. And, you know, her children had some real issues as they grew just with her writing about them, confessional things that they really couldn't consent to have that level of of their privacy, you know, ignored for content online. And kids who were being used for like, like they're actually being videoed and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's the wave is coming. We're going to get Sadie, we will have enough horror content to satisfy you within the next decade. So there's this one person um, that I see all the time on TikTok, and I love her. And she her the only thing that she does well like the main thing is she will like she does a lot of in-depth research of like guessing the names of like um like the names that pregnant influencers will choose for their baby and so she'll do research into like what their aesthetic is and like if they have other kids like if there's a theme going on and she's usually pretty close it's it's very frustrating because obviously you won't have gratification for at least like a few months until the baby is actually born and the name is announced um but one (laughs) couple that she brought to light for me is um his name is lucky blue smith and he is a fashion model and he has a wife um named nara pellman and they're part of this kind of they're a little bit different because they don't necessarily have like a quote unquote, like family blog, but they're still just like very well known in the mommy blog community, of which apparently I've got both my hands in. (laughs) And um, they are part of this group of like mommy influencers, family vloggers, whatever, who are Mormon, but it's very hard to find out if they're Mormon, like they're very hush hush about it. and secret Mormons. Yes. And so like, there's actually a video that it was like a video essay about this phenomenon of people who like are very like they deny that they are Mormon. However, they are. Um, Oh my god. Okay, I'm convinced like, if you ever see the girl on TikTok or reels or whatever, where she's like in the green screen jumpsuit and she dances and her jumpsuit changes colors. No. Okay. 
her handle is like Kelodactyl or something like that. She's okay. somehow got like 7 million followers or something like that. But same category of like, I'm pretty sure you're like devout LDS, but have just never mentioned or showed it, even though like you're so public facing. <laughs> That'll be polarizing for the brand. And that's fascinating to me because, it, you, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, we all have a duty to evangelize the church and be proud representatives. And yeah. now it feels like people are like, oh, I know this doesn't like really play super well. I mean... I don't know if it's a bid to have liberal readers, probably less likely than the fact that like the dominant mode of expression in that space is just kind of a certain like homogenized pan evangelical like (laughs) um, approach. (laughs) And like a lot of other evangelical Christians don't really like Mormons. So that makes so much sense that they're like, Oh, we're Mormon coded. <laughs> yes. Like they, I feel like they kind of toe the line so that they can get as many followers as possible. So that they like appeal to liberal, like quote unquote liberals. You know what I mean? Like liberals who, so like their content is not overtly Christian, but also it's just Christian enough to cater to evangelical followers and it's it's not like it's not not mormon enough to ostracize their mormon followers as well it's really it's really weird um but the point i was getting to is this man so his name is lucky bluesmith and he has three children <laughs> thank you for saying that again. um i needed to hear well, that i need you to buckle up because his First daughter, her name is Gravity Blue, um, with former partner Stormy Henley. And then he has two other children, named one, a son named Slim Easy, and a daughter named Rumble Honey. (laughs) Ah! And the thing is, is that they don't have accounts for any of their children, which some of some a lot of these influencers do. Um, But Rumble Honey specifically has so many fan accounts of like of people and what's wild to me is I I know we're completely off the topic of Simple Favor, but I think that Simple Favor does a really good job of like kind of introducing like how weird <laughs> mommy vloggers can be um, in and not in like an overt way because that's not like the focus of the movie really. But um, this is all to say it's wild to me that people don't protect their children in any way, shape or form on the internet. Like these mommy influencers, like for how is it not disturbing to you that your children have fan accounts made of them and they are like two years old like that is wild to me um anyway just just thoughts just thoughts yeah i i sort of feel like we we just shouldn't know other people's kids who are not our friends or family members kids (laughs) so when i hear mommy vloggers be like and you all know how brayden feels about carrots so let me show you and i'm like do do i (laughs) like If I do, I shouldn't know how Brayden feels about carrots. Like, that's your business. <laughs> like, and Brayden barely even knows how Brayden feels about carrots. Like, give Brayden a little room to change his mind or experiment with the carrot feelings here before we, like, put it out as canon yes. to millions of people, you know? Yeah. And... It, it, go, oh, ahead, go ahead, Sadie. Sorry. Well, I... <laughs> I'm really on one with the with the mommy vloggers, but there is one um, mommy kind of she's she mostly does not content, but she's anyway, her name is Nabella Noor. And I followed her for I have followed her for a really long time. And so she didn't always have kids. And now she has two. Um, And they're not like solely the focus of her content. I still like her content. However, it still is just wild to me that, you know, she shows her kids faces and like she's kind of made them part of her brand, whether that was a conscious choice or not. I feel like the concept of a brand, like it just can't be like if you're if your brand is just your life and you choose to put your kids online in any capacity, they become like commodities in in so many ways. And like, 
I think it's it's just so wild how like even these vloggers who have really good intentions in mind, like I'm thinking also of another, I'm realizing that I follow some, but a lot of these people, the, the ones that I follow, I have followed since I was like in high school and they were also around my age and like now they have kids. And some of them have chosen to just like not talk about their kids, not feature them, not tell anyone their names, which is the route I would go. And then more on like the middle ground of like, they are in some of the vlogs, but they're not like solely the focus. But still, it's just, I feel like it has to be a nothing. Like if you are such a big celebrity, like um, one that I'm thinking of right now is Zoella, which I know that neither of you know, but people my age will know <laughs> who I'm talking about. Um, she has a daughter and now she's pregnant again. And the final thing I'll say also is to go to announce your pregnancy and to do like brand deals about your pregnancy and to and to just make Ooh. your pregnancy so um, public. And then what I've seen happen with one or two of these people that I follow is like something will happen. Like they will have a miscarriage carriage or, you know, all manner of different things. And then they have to, you know, they're very brave and they'll put out like this thing, but it's just like, my God, like having to put that out there, it's just, don't they feel tired? Like don't mommy vloggers stop and think like, wow, I really like, I'm really doing brand deals with Fisher Price with my kid as like the influencer, you know, like, do they ever stop and think like, I'm not being a mom, I'm being a brand manager, whether my kid understands that or not. Like, I think the scary thing thing is is they think it's both like a lot of them will yeah. kind of hold themselves out as like I am an entrepreneur and content creator in that like 21st century internet way and I'm not saying it's yeah. not a business sadly like it is but like to me the terrifying like socioeconomic thing that's going on here is like these women are often in conservative religious environments they get married they start mm -hmm. having kids and they kind of fall off a cliff of identity crisis where it's like well you're like you're smart you're often college educated in and uh and you have all of this like know-how from like being raised on these devices um but you also like because of your moral system like feel like you need to be home all the time or maybe that's just your preference but like either way like the result is well let me just uh, like make content and monetize yes this <laughs> like I, I think that it that's such a good point samantha like it feels like it's a way of having your cake and eating it too in that it's like this is a very socially acceptable way to make money to have an income and it's respected within my within my circle of other moms they want to do this too in the way of like um 20 years ago or whatever when people were doing like Mary Kay and like joining these like pyramid schemes it was it was like this is a socially acceptable way for me to be a mom and also you know be able to uphold the values that me and my family and my husband care about while also doing a job of some sort. And so they're like, why don't I just make my duties into being a job? My motherhood becomes a job. And, but in this case, I get to make money off of it. And like, that's just so interesting to me. Yeah, like my it really. Oh, go ahead, Jen. Sorry. Oh, I was just pointing out that then it really becomes a problem, which they don't see it that way, I guess, until the children are over but went older but when you're uh, bringing in other human beings who should have agency <laughs> as part of your content but they can't give it yet because they're literal babies and children there you go yeah like the 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 bernie sanders response to mommy vlogging is like we need universal child care like tomorrow 
because you, <laughs> yeah. like it's not like that you hear a lot of like teenage girls being like i want to be a mommy vlogger when i grow up you know maybe i don't know maybe in some communities that has now become like seen as a future career path in minds that young but i feel like for at least the first few generations of mommy blogging and vlogging it was like women who kind of like fell into it because they're like well i had kids so i started like publishing my easy no bake cookie cook under recipes like online or something and that exploded into this empire um maybe people are getting into it a little more cynically now but i think point being is like we are kind of like in this economic trap where when you start having kids, having dual income just means that one person's income would go entirely toward childcare if like both parties still wanted to work. So it often still makes sense for someone to stay home. And yet our economy isn't really structured around people being able to do that. And so you end up with a lot of women and wanting to kind of squeeze water out of stone and find some way to like monetize their existence, you know? I don't know. It's like a trap. And I just feel like if people had abundant, free, subsidized options for childcare, you'd probably still see a lot of mommy vloggers. But I, I'd bet a significant fraction of uh, these women who are like uh, Stanley Kubrick with like an iPhone, like able to just like, you know, make short films every day, <laughs> might opt to drop Junior off at daycare for six hours and uh, I don't know, go film ads or something. So do you all believe, as I do, and I am certain that this will come up in the sequel, that Anna Kendrick, Stephanie's mother's husband and brother were actually that their demises were orchestrated by her for that life insurance money that she has been living on while she mommy vlogs? I don't know that they're going to villainize her. And maybe that's where I'm like... She is a brother fucker. They have got to bring that up in the sequel. It has got to come up because that was a little bit bizarre tonally at the end where suddenly Stephanie Smothers is like the hero and Blake Lively is the total bad guy here because no character in this movie is good. Yeah, I didn't like at the end when they're like, I'm still a mommy vlogger and also now I'm a citizen detective and I'm like, okay, now you're a true crime girly too. Oh no. Yes, that's what they wrapped in the true crime because oh. her mommy vlog did not take off. You see the little numbers. She only had like a couple dozen followers at the beginning until she starts talking about her missing friend and bringing in the true crime element, which as we all know is another problematic source of content on the internet that has led to all kinds of awful societal repercussions. But yeah, that's where she blows up to where she can get a million followers is because of her whole saga with, with the true crime and then catching Blake Lively in the act of faking her own death. I feel like they're going to do kind of a like only murders in the building type of vibe um, where they have her playing the Tina Fey type role and she's become like a true crime podcaster but she also does like brand deals with um, whatever the mommy vloggers be doing (laughs) right now Um, and then she's going to like try to go back and like interview Blake Lively or something like that and then things are just gonna get fucked up from there is there a second book that they can base it off of jen or will will this be coming straight from the mind of paul feig oh god she can't hear us ah yeah (laughs) i mean (laughs) i'll finish this thought and then we can try to try to refine jen but yeah i feel like i don't know they've got to find some way to get the gang back together wait is henry golding dead by the end? No, didn't he write his book? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the movie is kind of a flop for me, honestly, in the last five minutes, where yes. it's like, um, yeah. <laughs> like uh, the, the end title cards are bad. It suddenly becomes really cruel toward ba- Blake Lively's character by comparison to the rest <sighs> yeah. of them. 
Um, I did not like seeing her with her broken knee uh, crawling along in her beautiful little taffeta outfit. I'm like, (laughs) sure, she killed a sister who hasn't killed an identical twin. (laughs) At least she didn't fuck her sister. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know. And the, the end title cards felt kind of rushed and like there was one okay I remember it the first time I watched it made such an impression where it was like father and son are doing quite well or something and I was like what yeah (laughs) that's that's very like that's not even first draft that's like what what is the point of saying that and it was presented at the bottom of a paragraph like it was gonna be the stinger of like the thing and I'm like okay so like they're doing okay like yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh god but yeah i think they've got to find a way to get the band back together and force them to reluctantly work together like anna kendrick does true crime and she gets falsely framed and blake lively's out of jail and she's the only one who can help her so what it says very briefly online because not a whole lot has been released about the plot for the sequel but it says a simple favor too will likely center around stephanie once again at odds with emily who presumes presumably has somehow escaped her sentence. How exactly they end up in Italy remains to be seen. <laughs> so I think it's going to be set in Italy, um, wildly enough, which just, I'm down for. Well, it should be like White Lotus. Yeah, it just takes place yes. in a different <laughs> destination, every movie. So the love triangle uh, as as such, it's it's not, well, it's a love triangle. It's a twisted love triangle, but it's still a love triangle. <laughs> Stephanie and Emily all the way, baby. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. I'm Stephanie putting it out there. Stephanie only fucked Sean because she wanted to be with Emily, who was unavailable at the, unavailable at the time due to being dead. Uh, yeah, I mean, Henry Golding, I mean, he's got, uh, honestly, though, it's hard for me because it's like he has sad author vibes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like, we're the same. Too Samantha, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. The oopsie jar is going to propel him back to success. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, it is also just funny when movies try to convince you that people that hot write books. <laughs> <laughs> I found I I find Henry Golding's casting to be the weakest link in this movie not because like it, he he is a gorgeous gorgeous man and I can see why he's anybody too would gorgeous exactly and he's yeah. not he's he's too he's like affable and likable but he doesn't come across as stupid enough to fall into all of this or like secretly devious enough like he kind of misses the mark for me on both of those those, uh, <laughs> I, I don't buy that he's like either secretly evil or that he is like, you know, has the energy to, to just be manipulated by these women the way that he is. So, but very handsome man. And <laughs> their kid in this movie, that is actually one of my, uh, one of my low key favorite lines of the movie when, uh, when Blake Lively reveals to Henry Golding that she is still alive. For some reason, they meet in a restaurant. She's wearing kind of an ugly hat and that's going to disguise her identity in the public eye and he's saying like how could you do this how could you pretend to be dead and leave your son and she was like oh I could never leave Nikki he's my little dude <laughs> in the least maternal if that's tone not of the gayest time. thing yeah <laughs> amazing he's my bro my wingman I okay so alternate pitch and I think I'm honestly just gonna win with this one you're both gonna be like oh my god I was so wrong Mm -hmm. to pick Stephanie and Emily Stephanie and Linda Cardellini baby Okay, Linda Cardellini's styling cracked me up too because they have her like stabbing knives around and like swigging bourbon straight from the bottle and she is like the cleanest styled person in the world. Fresh hair and makeup, like some urban like urban outfitters leggings and like a very clean Slayer t-shirt that looks to have been purchased from a big box store. <laughs> yeah, those vibes. 
vibes actually work really well with Stephanie Smothers now that I think about it. Stephanie is a fixer and she would probably like to fix Linda Cardellini's drinking bourbon in the daytime wearing tragically put together rebellious outfit ways. I mean, to the contrary, <laughs> I kind of want Linda, Car- Linda Cardellini to corrupt Stephanie. I <laughs> want Linda Cardellini to paint her like one of her French girls, you know, like, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's giving like lesbian costume a little bit. It's like um, when that movie where Rashida Jones plays a lesbian and they're like, well, let's put her in a flannel and, uh, and oversized glasses, lesbian. Um, But Linda Cardellini's energy sort of more than makes up for the spirit Halloween nature of the the wardrobing. File Linda Cardellini for me under you can play a lesbian anytime, uh, anywhere. I'm trying to think what else I've seen her in, but I just like uh, love her to death. She's in Scooby Doo. Um, what else? Is uh, can I say something? You must please. One of the one of the most exciting elements for me when Elliot Page came out is that I no longer would get him confused with Linda Carlin <laughs> because they look they look exactly the same, and I won't hear a word about it. I thought for years that Elliot Page was the one playing Velma in the Scooby-Doo movies and I won't be ashamed for thinking that. Did you think that Linda Cardellini was in Juno? Yeah, they were the same person. They looked exactly the same. Exactly the same. Do you know how much of a relief? Yes. Linda Cardellini just came out as trans. Checkpeople.com right now. Wait, what? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> I was literally. <laughs> I was like, don't you, don't you play games with me? Don't you play games with me? Played a simple, feverish mind game on Sadie. She doesn't know what is truth and what is lie anymore. I, yeah. No. And the thing is that is that people would try to gaslight me and be like, they couldn't look more different. And I'm like, they literally couldn't look more the same. <laughs> Actually, I could oh not tell God. them apart. Um, okay. I do have well, apparently, one more couple to mention in this movie before we yes, hit our time limit yeah. that Sadie is making a stick to it. So this is not an other couple, but <laughs> hey. who... <laughs> For our own good. It's for our own good. We're crisp. We're crisp, Sadie. I think that the uh, the gay guy member of the mommy club, whose name I cannot remember right now. Andrew Rannells. Andrew Rannells? Yeah, I think that he is married to the detective that questioned Stephanie about the disappearance. They both have such similar, um, just really enjoying the nosiness and the gossip and watching this Stephanie character literally squirm while trying to cover up her falsehoods. And I think that that is how he escaped from the SWAT team so quickly at the end of the movie to arrive and be able to run over Blake Lively with car because they were like, oh my God, that's detective so-and-so's husband. What are you doing? Get him off the floor right now. And then, yeah, that's my headcanon about what happened there. I feel like in the second one, they're going to make him married to Andy Cohen. I'm, I'm calling it now. <laughs> I'm like Babe Ruth pointing, pointing to the home run. Like guarantee we're gonna get celebrity gay cameo for Andrew Rannell's husband. Can Paul just let us co-write? I think we could I think we could do a number on this script. I think we need Jean Smart back too. She has definitely survived. She was another bright light in the movie as the the alcoholic aging mother in the, you know, dusty old mansion. Oh, right. Suddenly it becomes a Dickens novel for like exactly five minutes. It's kind of <laughs> amazing. Oh, yeah. what a movie. Uh. Well, shall we rate a simple favor? Let's do it. We shall. I will give it, I'll give it 3.75 chilled martini glasses out of five. Jen, when you were disappeared, I was saying that I really feel like the last 10 minutes kind of 
fumble the bag with the smug, <laughs> mm-hmm. righteous tone and the end title cards. And I yeah. wish it had ended on a more complicated note uh, that paid honor to the relationship between Stephanie and Emily and all of its complexity. Also proving my case that this should have been a limited prestige TV series instead of a movie. But as a movie, it did its best. And for that, I will give it four and a half froofy Blake Lively bow ties worn with stiletto heels. And I I completely agree with all of Samantha's points about the ending. Although, <laughs> although the that absolutely bananas car running over Blake Lively with the car scene was just so unhinged that it kind of like wins back my favor even as it like that that's just emblematic of the entire ending they were like oh shit we have to finish this now slam and that's what happened but yeah um, so the 4.5 is mostly because I demand the sequel now this this work is not complete yet we need a simple favor to <laughs> see to what, the, what the fuck did you just send us what the this fuck was, is this <laughs> That's a promotional image of a simple paper. What? <laughs> what is this? What? Okay, so for context listeners, I opened our <laughs> IG group chat to find a picture of Blake Lively with someone like spread eagle on a kitchen island and Blake Lively in in a very dominant this position. Is not Henry Golding. This is a person who does not appear in the movie. It's just like a person. It's just a guy. It's just Who's some some random a person. Chilled martini nude while Blake Lively appears to be yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> deep cut where did you find that or do you have that saved somewhere on your camera <laughs> that's I had that saved before we started recording and I was waiting for a good time to send it <laughs> Um, I don't know whether to add some star or take away for this image, Sadie. You, you befuddled <laughs> me with this one. <laughs> Please tell us your rating. Um, I will give it four uh, little useless cufflinks on one of Blake Lively's <laughs> wilder costumes uh, in A Simple Favor out of five. Because I agree with Samantha, I feel like the last 10 minutes did kind of let you down. And I feel like it undid some of the really nuanced work that the rest of the film did. Um, but otherwise, it's a very fun movie. It's 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 campy. It's Gone Girl without taking itself too seriously. It's Killing Eve without uh, quite as much murder. It's it's a really really fun movie. And if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend it, especially because the sequel has been confirmed after years of us waiting, um, tireless bisexuals. Our, 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 we require our, our flowers for that. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's flowers a good movie. Just wish the last sequel. 10 minutes were a little better. Don't oh call us. Don't email us. Don't find us on social media. <laughs> well, find us on social media so w- you can get a link to come into our Discord. And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no we're we're going off here. grid. Um, <laughs> we're sending our missives whenever we are able to. <laughs> Broadcasting from the bunker. <laughs> <laughs> With movies that came out six years ago. Get ready for the Lizzie McGuire movie next. I know y'all been waiting. <laughs> We've seen the messages. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen the writing on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>